1: Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash card.
2: What is up? Welcome in to the Early Edge College Football Week 2 edition preview show. I'm your host, Alan Bell, and we have a fantastic show lined up for you today. Our guest you know who they are. Tom Furnelli, Chip Patterson, Micah Roberts, our guys coming through weekly Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern to break down all the best bets for college football that given week. Speak it up. Let's take a look at how we did last week before we get into this one. Not bad. Got some X's, but got some greens. And I'll tell you this. <clears throat> excuse me. Our guys continue uh, to stay above the number here. We now sit 11 and 8 against the spread so far this season through Weeks 0 and Week 1. against the spread as a show. So gentlemen, I tell you that to tell you this great job by everybody. Well done. Yeah, there we go. First up my man, Chip Patterson. How are we doing, sir?
3: Oh, fired up to be back. We get to overreact to very, very small sample sizes and make large determinations about what these teams are going to be for the rest of the season. As long as we continue to stay in that making money number, we can overreact all we want, right? So excited to get going.
2: Yeah, you know what? I'll tell you what. I think our man, Big Tom Fernelli is going to hit on that here in just a little while. But you're right, Chip. As long as we stay above the number, which you guys have never had a problem doing, uh, yeah, we'll be be good to go on those hot takes. Big Tom, how are we doing, sir?
0: Oh, we're good. We're happy to be back after not being able to do the show last week, at least not live. I was able to get my picks in. Happy that there were some winners. Although I do want to give our listeners and our viewers just a heads up. Like there is work being done in my house right now, which means my dog is in the office with me. So she might be making a cameo appearance at some point in the show if somebody makes a mistake of ringing the doorbell. So just be on the alert for that.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, this is a very pro-dog-friendly show, as always, or any pets. The and whole brand is really, you know, pet friendly. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: Yeah, bring the bring the animals. They're all good here. And if she has a take on Kentucky
0: and Florida, I mean, I'm willing to listen. So well, she'll never bet on anything named the cats, so.
2: <laughs> there you go. Michael Roberts, my man, how we doing? So it looks great behind you, by the way.
4: Yeah, it's sun, it's hot, it's uh, amazing. Uh, looking forward to hearing uh, the guys talk about the games. And big week, uh, lots of changes, lots of uh, rating differentials. I'll talk about that. Updates, wise guys making their uh, updates, books making their updates, consultants making their updates. It all goes together. Who's going to be right here? And that's uh first three weeks, very, very important, getting the number right.
2: Yeah, see, and I think, I mean, you speak better than anybody being a former bookmaker yourself. Like, this it seems like a volatile time. You know, Between the first three weeks, yeah, because everybody's adjusting different ways. And we're going to talk about that absolutely here in one second. Chip, coming to you, let's talk about the storylines that affect the betting lines for week two in college football. You know what? It's a big one here. Nick
3: Saban, is he losing his edge? That's right. Listen, people need to start having this conversation. Because for 4,003 days, Nick Saban was undefeated against his former assistants. He had 24 straight wins against nine different coaches. Mark D'Antonio, Jimbo Fisher, Will Muschamp, Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt, Jim McElwain, Billy Napier, Lane Kiffin, and Derek Dooley, the man who fell first at the beginning of that streak back in October of 2010. Then on October 9th, 2021, Jimbo Fisher upended that. And since then, we have seen Nick Saban lose two of his last three. That is a sub-500 record record. If you're not a math major, so we got to ask the question: Is Nick Saban losing his edge? Ooh,
2: that's a big question indeed. And I'll tell you what,
3: buddy, I was around for those Derek
2: Dooley, those Derek Dooley games. Those were uh, no, not fun, not fun at all. Tom, coming over to you, man. Thank Speaking you of sure. Week One, yeah, Thank
4: overreactions,
2: <laughs> overreactions. Everybody is either they're awesome, or they completely suck, or to <laughs> be a take just as Chip Patterson had there a hot one
0: my I just I mean Chip and I are really trying to get that narrative going that Nick Saban is losing <laughs> it because he can no longer beat his former coaches but I yeah I think that that is the biggest thing that this early in the season when you always have somewhat of a limited set of you know games to work off of some teams have played twice mostly everybody's only played once like you tend to overreact to what you see in that first week of the season because you spend the entire offseason waiting for college football to come back and then when it does and you finally see it You kind of take everything you see as gospel. So Oregon gets crushed by Georgia, and it's no longer considered one of the 25 best teams in the country by the AP. Florida beats Utah, and now it's suddenly the 12th best team in the country, even though those same AP voters a couple weeks before decided it wasn't one of the 25 best teams. So you kind of want to look for reactions like that in the market and just in general with the narratives of the lines that are set for week two, and you want to try to find spots that you can exploit where you think maybe the market is overreacting a little too much, or maybe it's not reacting enough. Well, I'll tell you what. uh, If you're trying to tell me that
2: Vanderbilt's not winning the national championship, I'm not listening to it. Don't (laughs) want nothing to do with it, and you're you're both of yours, long-haired brother that might have something to do with the program. He's not (laughs) listening to it either, but no, that's a good point right there. And speaking of that, tailoring it all together, Micah, all right, adjusting ratings, and look, let me say this, week zero beforehand, you had nailed it. You said, look, offensive lines are going to dictate these wins, and they yeah. absolutely did. So now looking at the ratings, adjustments for teams that were one week in for some, two weeks in for others, what are your thoughts here, man?
4: Yeah, you gotta, uh, you're going to see more adjustments this week and next week than you'll ever see in, on the entire year, unless we're talking about a, a quarterback going down. But this is where you get the solid lines in, and this is the game that you play, the sports book versus the sharp betters. Who's got the better number? Who's right? Who made the better adjustments? Who didn't? And that's where it all starts and where the number comes from. And then everybody else bets these numbers. So uh, in numbers here, rating differentials, I'm going to just go with the teams that moved uh, two or higher, Uh, plus two to Arizona, plus two Ball State, and minus two to Boise State. Charlotte, the biggest mover of all, minus nine and a half. That's part of uh, the quarterback Reynolds uh, being out. And who else? Colorado minus two and a half. Connecticut plus two. East Carolina plus three and a half. A big mover. Georgia plus three. That's uh, quite sensational play. They didn't have a lot of guys back, but they proved that they are still Georgia and deserve to be rewarded for that. Um, Also, James Madison plus three. We've got Louisville, minus three. That's a tough one there. I think they play Thursday. Something to really look at here, a team not playing at all, as we expected. Very disappointing. Memphis, uh, minus two. Uh, Move down here somewhere. Oregon, minus two. Oregon State, plus three and a half. That's a big mover there. And San Diego State, very big disappointment. Minus three on that one there, losing to Arizona in the debut of their stadium. And we also have Syracuse, plus two and a half. Temple, minus two and a half. Tennessee, plus two and a half. Vanderbilt plus two and a half. Wake Forest minus five, but that's more with the quarterback. I think he's going to play this week. I'm not sure. Maybe you guys can uh, tell me his story. Sam Hartman and West Virginia plus four and a half. All those moving. And then we have a tie for the worst rated team in college football with three teams. New Mexico State, UMass and Charlotte are all tied for the worst rated team in college football. We'll see how those stack up there. But. A lot of changes there. We'll see some more next week, and I'll try to up you guys, update you guys again.
0: Man, yeah. I love it. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you're right, because like, you downgraded Charlotte. Charlotte has been shockingly bad. It's not yeah. exactly a team that I think many people pay much attention to, but its first two games have been awful and i don't think anybody was expecting the 49ers to look as bad as they've looked so yeah you
4: don't lose to william and mary i mean that's just something you cannot do and not even just lose but 41 to 24 that Mm -hmm. is a performance and that was after we're like well we'll give them a mulligan after the 43 13 loss to florida atlantic but yes now the quarterback's out um yeah they got trouble
2: yeah who's the head coach over there will healy right will healy yeah yeah man. He was the darling of college football last year, and yeah, it's been a tough start. Also,
3: they floated his name for Virginia Tech.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he
3: was never considered, not never, excuse me. I'm not the insider like that, but he was not, to my mind, like one of the top picks for the Virginia Tech athletic department. But in that sort of insider agent community, they were trickling his name on out there. He was hot stuff last offseason.
2: Yeah, he really was. And look, a uh, question for you real quick, Micah, you brought it up. All right, so the quarterback situation at Wake Forest, all right, for anybody who isn't aware, Sam Hartman, an absolute stud QB, has been um, cleared, medically cleared mm-hmm. to play. He was dealing with thrombosis. He had a blood clot. Uh, really, really like tough situation there, right? And, and and thankfully for him, his family, everybody in college football, that, that he's been cleared. Um, when that announcement came out yesterday, they're on the road this week at Vanderbilt. They were, I think, eight and a half point favorites somewhere around there, roughly. The announcement comes out that he's cleared the numbers. Now Wake Forest minus thirteen. He is he starting? Has that been announced? Yes. Yeah, he's okay. a
3: starter. Yeah.
2: So I was going to say I assumed that they wouldn't make that announcement if he weren't starting, but just wanted to make sure because we'd seen what
3: five points of line movement, you know,
2: yeah.
4: in that game. So That's what he's worth, so that so the move's proper. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect.
3: I mean, yeah, he can't be playing violent football on blood thinners (laughs) (laughs) yeah to get that man like all the way back i mean it's from everything that i've heard it was a a very like good and strong rehabilitation and recovery so yeah it's
4: yeah good hey hey, tom i also want to know um i saw a tweet you sent out i didn't get to hear the cover uh three podcasts but I'm very intrigued with the Harry Styles, Chris Pine, <laughs> Olivia Wilde thing happening. And I, I wanted to hear your take on it because I, I click on, I see it trending and I'm like, yes. Okay, what's going on here? Okay, he says this, he says that. What, what's the story behind that? Oh, where to even begin? A um, short, short version. I don't want to take up the, the show's time. But- no, this is
0: important. We need to know. I know. <laughs> Dr- drama. Just drama everywhere. Somebody's mad at somebody for something and then they did something about it. And whoo, man. I have no idea. I I really don't. (laughs) Somebody was spit on, correct? Is that is Uh, that allegedly I yeah, I don't know. I I gotta say, I watched the video because it was like it was going around everywhere that night. I I didn't see any spit. I'm just saying.
4: It's the hey, it's the new Zapruder film. It looked like Chris Pine was highly annoyed though for like long periods of time.
2: Well, I understand that just in life. I mean, I just get annoyed (laughs) at what's on TV. Yeah. All right, let's get it our best bets for this week okay so first up gonna start chip coming over to you all right first game north carolina georgia state you like the over 64 and a half a nice over that north carolina and app state hit last week a ton of points scored there break it down buddy what do you got
3: Yeah, so the team where the over hit with 10 minutes left in the third quarter might still have some of the same uh, positives and negatives, which give a tendency to overs. The same team that allowed, I don't know, 40 points in a 62-point fourth quarter, they hit the total in the fourth quarter alone. (laughs) North Carolina has a future NFL quarterback in Drake May. They will be able to score. They showed that even without Josh Downs, their best offensive weapon, they were still able to go out there and put up 60-plus points their defense will more than happily allow you to get right through them, around them, and behind them to go and find the end zone for touchdowns as well. Until proven otherwise, North Carolina overs blind fire. They have an awesome offense and a horrendous defense, and they are nothing but walking touchdowns on both sides of the ball. Dude, i tell you what you fire out better like
2: t-shirt slogan ideas that it like that's the new show bet is the over under on time because you fired out two in under 13 minutes it's been fantastic i like that play there all right Fornelli, coming over to you first play you've got ucf you like a minus five at home against louisville and this game is on friday correct
0: yes it is it is one of the two games on friday night uh no games thursdays so we got nfl but this is a situation where Louisville could be in a lot of trouble very early in the year. This is a team that went on the road last week against Syracuse and lost thirty-one to seven. And it's one thing to go on the road and lose—you know, your first game of the year, especially like again, road game, conference opener at the same time. It's a difficult situation. But they just got shellacked by a Syracuse team nobody was expecting too much of they couldn't do anything defensively to stop the Syracuse offense that a new offensive coordinator Robert and I they were coming at him from every direction Louisville had no idea what to do and on the other side of the ball a Louisville offense that was pretty strong last year and I think has a good quarterback in Malik Cunningham one of the guys I think was more underrated coming into the season couldn't do anything with the ball on offense against that Syracuse defense and now they're heading on the road again to play a good UCF team. And there's an alarming stat if you're Louisville or a trend. It doesn't happen often. But in the history, teams that start off as road favorites in week one lose and then are on the road again in week two, are one twelve 12 and one against the spread in that second game so i look at what happened last week against syracuse the way louisville's offense struggled the way their defense struggled if syracuse's offense is able to move the ball that well against them i have a feeling ucf is going to be able to move the ball pretty well on this louisville defense itself they've got talent on that side of the ball gus Melzon has you know we Chip calls it the uh, putt-putt offense, but that (laughs) putt-putt offense is capable of putting points on the board. And I just don't think Louisville's going to be ready. That's going to be an electric environment. The bounce house gets loud. It gets crazy. It's a Friday night. It's in primetime. That place will be juiced. I think Louisville's in trouble. I think they're going to be 0-2. I think the Knights cover this one. Dude, okay. So first off, give me that stat again because that, that is an incredible yeah. stat. Yeah, it's it's teams that start the season in week one on the road as favorites and not only fail to cover but lose and then find themselves on the road again in week two are one twelve and one against the spread in that second game. It's just, it doesn't happen a lot because you don't see a lot of road favorites in week one who are starting the season both games on the road, but that's yeah, just, just more fantastic like- scheduling by the ACC, Chip. Just wonderful job Brilliant. that your boys are doing in that conference. But yeah, it's, it's not great. Great,
3: yeah. The reason that, it's a small sample size is you would never send your coaches and players to two no. straight road games to start the year. <laughs> that, no. is, I, that stat is incredible, and, and that's
2: against the spread. Like, that would be incredible for straight up, man. That's big, man. All right, now speaking of putt putt offenses, we're going back to you, Chip. All right, you're taking Iowa State plus three and a half at Iowa, who we just saw. Win with two safeties. What was the final score of that game? Seven to five.
0: Seven to oh three. God. Seven Horrible. to three. Yeah, without so a good. touchdown. A, without a touchdown scored. Yeah, that's a on good
4: thirty-seven yard line. The opponent. <laughs> what the hell is that? I don't. I don't know well, if I've ever seen that before. That's just good
0: Iowa football. Yeah, that's real that's good awesome. Iowa football. Well,
2: I thought that Iowa had joined the AL Central. I mean, that was just <laughs> an insane. One. Uh, but yeah, Chip, you like Iowa State plus three and a half. Break it down, man.
3: Now is when you jump in on Matt Campbell. You jump in on Matt Campbell as a dog, you're not as a favorite, but this is Matt Campbell as an underdog. And you jump I've in got on that dog in him. You jump in on that Matt Campbell, Iowa State, when the expectations aren't through the roof. You know, you got to get in on them, uh, not when they're being hyped up, but when no one's talking about them, because they made the transition to Hunter Decker at quarterback. And I don't know if there's a huge drop off from Brock Purdy to Hunter Decker. And they lost Brees Hall, but I kind of still think they're going to be able to run the ball effectively. This is an Iowa State team that certainly has an identity of the way they built themselves up on both sides of the ball. And in a rivalry that has, you know, gone Iowa's way big time, they've been close games. And so give me a slept on, uh, underrated and overlooked Iowa state team as Matt Campbell looks to get, uh, the Iowa winning streak snapped. And, uh, and even if he doesn't three and a half is a, is a favorable number right there. So, uh, give me the clones.
2: Yeah, that's a nice number, like over that key of three, getting the hook there. That's super nice. Now, coming back to you, Tom. And look, I promise we're gonna get to Micah on his picks too. It's just that I'm, Micah, I'm hey, Micah I got goes notes. with the he, Micah goes big game hunting, baby, and he's got on yeah. our big six games at the end of the show. So I promise we're not just boxing Micah out over here. I don't want anybody to think that. But Tom, coming to you, you are speaking my language here. I. Am well, not a distinguished man, but a man who enjoys team totals. You're going Northwestern team total under 34 against Duke.
3: Like, I like this one, hold good. on a second, let me take my. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What in the world are we doing here? Like, this is Northwestern we're talking about, and the team total is set at 34. I know that they put 31 points on the board in their opener against Nebraska in Ireland. Okay, but this is not a Northwestern team that is known for scoring many points. If we go back to last year and just look at that Northwestern offense, they scored 16.6 points per game. Last week when they scored the 31 points against Nebraska, it was the first time they'd managed to score 30 points in any game since they did so against Ohio of last season. And it's not exactly, you know, a stellar program last year, the Ohio Bobcats. So I look at this matchup and they are at home and they're facing a Duke team that shut out Temple 30 to nothing last week. Now, I don't think that means Duke is going to be awesome because Temple's probably going to prove to be one of the worst teams in the country this year. Stan Drayton's got a long road ahead of him. He's going to rebuild that program. But Mike Elko is a defensive coordinator by trade. This is what he wants to do. You got an idea and a hint of what Duke is going to be last week in that defensively they shut Temple out, but offensively they weren't in a hurry. They they ran 65 plays, but it's not like they were moving up tempo. They just had the ball a lot, and they were slowing things down, taking the air out of the ball. I think they're going to go on the road against Northwestern and play a similar game, and I think Northwestern is still Northwestern It is probably going to be happy to join them in that kind of performance. So I see two teams that are more likely to be led by their defense this year than their offense and a team total of 34 for Northwestern and yeah give me the under yeah dude hundred percent and look I'll say this
2: you know on the early edge last week uh, Duke minus nine was one of our plays and legitimately we were breaking it down saying this is not a pro Duke play although nothing against them but this is just operation fade temple they Mm -hmm. are arguably the worst team in the country and you're right it's not like Duke's offense was Josh Heupel, like, speed out there. Like, they took their time. Mm-hmm. Tipple's just awful, right? So, yeah, I, I think a lot of the books, they, they might be a little confused on that one. So, I'm with you there. All right, Chip, one we're not confused on. You're going UNLV plus 13 at Cal.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Micah likes it. Yeah.
2: Very, do it. Very I, I mean, listen, devil.
3: Micah, like, this is, this is a competent football team,
4: Damn. right? You know what it is? It's the weight program. I've been hearing so much about it for the last three, four months. This is the biggest and toughest offensive line that UNLV's ever had, and the weight program—they're just raving about it. They got an app, and they have programs, and they have games where everybody's just pumping iron. And it is probably the strongest UNLV team ever. Yeah, from what I've heard, it's
3: one of my favorite things to do early in the season is find the team that has put it together, that has turned a corner, that has leveled up in some way. UNLV, which was really disastrous for at times has finally seemed to be turning that corner. And so we've got an opportunity here where the number maybe hasn't quite caught up. And we also have an opponent in Cal that isn't really built to run away from anybody. So if you think that UNLV is going to turn this into a fight, like I believe Cal probably wins this game. But I think that UNLV, just with even competency, is going to turn this into a competitive one. And if it's going to be competitive, I do not trust Cal to blow them out of the water. So that's why I'm going to be taking UNLV plus the 13.
4: You know what? I don't remember the last time that UNLV scored over 50 points. I mean, <laughs> I've been so full of one and nines and one and the tens and two and tens. This has just been an ongoing thing for me. And I, I, you know, I root for every single win, every single cover. But uh, this one, when they put the 50 spot up, granted, Idaho State, whatever. But I, I was pretty excited. And then I looked, I was like, wow, white pants, white helmet. Oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. I'm liking it.
2: There we go. I like Look
0: it. Good, yeah. good, play good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's bad. That's awesome. All right, Fordelli, coming over to you, last one that you've got here. Kansas, plus 13 and a half at West Virginia. And I read today one of our uh, 24-7 sports a columnist that covers Kansas, and I cannot remember his name right now. I just saw the tweet that they were blasting country roads, getting (laughs) ready for the atmosphere out there. Break it down, Otis.
0: Yeah, Kansas is one of those teams where, Chip, you were just mentioning you're looking for teams that have turned a corner. I don't know if Kansas has turned a corner yet, but when I look at the underlying metrics that I like to track when it comes to how I rate teams and how I rank them when it comes for gambling purposes, this is a team that since Lance Leipold took over last year has been trending in the right direction in all those numbers. And it's been slowly and incrementally improving. And I think we've reached a point where the market hasn't quite caught on To that. This is a Jayhawks team that, if you go back to Leipold's teams at Buffalo, was always very explosive in the run game. Now, Kansas was playing Tennessee Tech last week, so we can't put too much stock into the overall performance. But the trends that we saw start to build towards the back half of last season with that offense were evident again last week. They were putting up big play after big play, just running through them, throwing through them. And they're facing a West Virginia team that I think defensively is not. Bad in any sense of the word, but kind of had showed some flaws last week. The the defensive line, I did not think played all that well against Pitt. And Pitt's got a good offensive line, so maybe they deserve some of the credit. But I do think that they were tackling poorly. They were getting blown off the ball a bit. And I look at this Kansas team and the way that that offense works. and I think they're going to put together some big plays on the ground, keep drives going, have success, and keep this game a lot closer than that spread suggests. And I honestly am considering taking a little bit of a sprinkle On the Kansas money line, shocking the world. It was plus 400 last I saw, but I think plus 13.5 is the much safer and probably the better value. So that's what I'm taking. Give me the Jayhawks and the points. I'm telling you, they're better than you think, and they're better than you ever expect Kansas to be.
2: There we go. Boys, any thoughts on that
4: one? I respect it. I like it, and the quarterback play has been much better. It it is a, a team that I think they got a lot to play for. They feel good about their chances. So, yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, I mean we we we're, we're all in on Kansas. Are you, are you kidding go. me? They they went for two to beat Texas mm-hmm. in Austin and turned it into an Applebee's commercial. Legends, king <laughs> <Good laughs> the sport.
2: Dude, they did. I I that game. All right. I'm glad that you brought that up because I love the way that like Kansas's athletic department handled it. Like they got on social and they were like if you want to go to the game, we will get you in right now. Like, let's go. Like, just everybody light up. Like it was. Fantastic.
3: Oh, no, that was the Oklahoma game. The Texas. Oh, that's game what it was. In, yeah, you're right, you're right. That was in Austin, which yeah. made it even better because that oh, yeah, yeah. was handing Steve Sarkeesian a loss that if it was a win, Texas is bowling. Instead, they're sitting on the couch for the holidays. <laughs> Woo,
0: bye-bye.
2: <laughs> bye-bye, indeed. Also, shout out Tennessee Tech I-40 East right there. Cookville, if you want to stop at an exit and get something to eat, I'm telling you, Cookville exit. That's the way to do it, Tennessee Tech. They've, <laughs> they've got 90 restaurants right there. It's phenomenal, man. Well done on that one. All right, last one that we have in this segment. Chip, coming to you. Memphis, you want to talk about I-40 the other way, West. Mm-hmm.
3: Memphis minus six and a half at Navy. What are your thoughts? Well, Alan, you and I have a, a an I-40 coverage that's incredible <laughs> we can is. cover this thing from wilmington all the way to memphis and we can talk about all the exits and all the stops where you should and should not be stopping to be able to get your gas and your snacks anyway <laughs> we had a real a real real dark day in this country's history when some fighting blue hens took down the naval academy on the football field. <laughs> and i'm looking at navy after the loss to delaware and look they finished last season with the win they kind of, you know, maybe ignited some pride, but near the end of last season, you're like, is this, is this thing up? They had, they were firing the offensive coordinator. The athletic director was putting pressure on the head coach. There's a lot of dysfunction right now within that Navy football program. And when we see that 14 to seven loss to Delaware to start the season, I'm like, uh Oh, is this, is this thing up? Is Kenny and out of here? Like is, is this finally when we see a fantastic run of a head coach at Navy, Is it starting to to come to an end? Memphis has won three straight in this series. Memphis is not an elite at all American Athletic Conference team, but is a a competent one, and this is an important game for Memphis. Uh, I think that Memphis, with its series history, I think Navy with its struggles, it, it really sets up, especially with the favorable number for the Tigers to be able to cover this six and a half.
0: Stay woke here, though, Chip. Is it possible... The commander-in-chief is from Delaware. Is it possible that he gave the orders to Navy to lay down and lose the game?
3: He gave the code red? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: That's what I'm saying.
2: People are asking. Yeah. The streets are talking. They're talking (laughs) indeed, man. I like that play. And, yeah, it was weird seeing Navy, like, not be Navy. It was odd seeing that last Saturday, man. I'm with you on that. All right. Let's get into our big game picks, as Micah does. Big game hunting. Got six coming up for you. But before we do, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our partners.
5: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structured classes. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
1: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, TaylorBrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T A I L O R B R A N D S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
2: And we're back. All right. So our first game here, ranked. And Micah, I'm going to come right to you because you know what? I've boxed you out long enough. Got to let my man out of the cage and let him rip. We're going to USC nine point favorite at Stanford, a total of 67. Not an official play for you, but you lean Stanford plus nine. What are your thoughts there?
4: Yeah. And that's against uh, the number I've got USC 11. So you might think there's some value there below 10. That's a big key number here. Um, it's basically an experience um, cohesion with USC, 10 players returned, but they got a whole bunch of other players. Some of them from Alabama some of them from Auburn, some of them from Colorado, all good players transferred, to disgruntled players, looking for a shot to get in. And this whole Lincoln Riley party train thing that's going on in LA, people are buzzing about it. They come out their first game. They dominate 538 yards worth of offense. The running game, tailback U is back U again. Five players had over five carries for over 200 yards combined. And they've got Stanford's running back as well. The What's his name? Austin Jones. So, um, A lot of new players, 36 Letterman lost from USC, Uh, but is that good? They weren't very good last year. In fact, they lost to Stanford last year. It was kind of a moment, big moment for Stanford, actually. They've covered six of the last eight meetings with USC. This is what they get up for. This is what they know. Beat USC. They want to go to the Big Ten. Let's beat them and kick their tails out of the conference. And I think they're going to come in with that approach, and it's the offensive line. All five starting offensive line is back for um, Stanford. And I like that they're all over 310 pounds, amazing. Uh, cutter. so I expect them to have some success. Uh, good last week against Colgate 41 to 10, uh, passing, uh, quarterback looked good. The running game was good. And it's just one of those things. Uh, EJ Smith, Emmett's son, the running back, expect him to do some things. So I think they're going to come in and they're USC. They're already trying to put themselves in national title contention and I think they're a long way off from that. I just don't think they'll have the cohesion to bury Stanford at Stanford. I think this is going to be a, uh, a close game with a chance for Stanford to win at the, the end, quite frankly.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. You could tell things are getting right again when you've got a good Stanford offensive line. I love it. Chip, not an official play for you either, but you lean the same way. Stanford plus nine. What are your thoughts?
3: Uh, Micah mentioned cohesion, you know, and cohesion is medically proven to help with tight butts. You know, when you don't have cohesion. (laughs) Wait a
0: minute. Wait a minute.
3: Isn't cohesion what causes the butt to be tight? I I don't know the physics. I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying that when things get tight in a college football game, you start to pucker up. It helps to have that trust. It helps to have that experience. It helps to have that chemistry and cohesion up and down your roster. Not, hey, man, I just met you on August 9th. Not like, hey, we haven't played that many games together. And so if this thing is going to be a 7 to 10, 14-point game, I think USC's defense is suspect in general. And if Stanford's able to put a couple touchdowns on and make USC press a little bit, we could see some cracks. Also a little bit of, wouldn't it be hilarious because <laughs> this is a big window, right? That seven thirty Eastern ABC game, Lincoln Riley transfer portal, all stars. Like there's going to be a lot of hype around this thing. And to, uh, to see Stanford come in and spoil the party would be pretty funny. So yeah, not an official play, but all the vibes say Stanford can stay within a touchdown.
2: Well, I'll say this. I I was interested to see how many play on words you could go in that one. And dude, you delivered, you hit the over early. It was well done. Now, Tom, not an official play either, but you lean the other way. You like SC here.
0: Yeah, this is, there's, there's some gut feel to this one too, for me, because first of all, I just think USC is the better team, but I have concerns about USC defensively. That was the team's biggest problem last year. And Rice was able to move the ball a bit on them in their first game of the year. But what I makes me lean towards USC is Rice is coached by Mike Bloomgren, who was the offensive coordinator at Stanford. Now, Stanford's offense is not the same as it was when Bloomgren was there, but they still follow a lot of the same principles. So in a sense, USC kind of played Stanford last week. So all the problems that they had last week, the, the holes that were exploited – this week in practice, now they've now they know what they have to work on. Now they know what they have to tighten up. And I look at Stanford defensively the last few years, just hasn't been that impressive to me. And that USC offense looked pretty good with all of its new parts there. I think that the Trojans will be able to move the ball, put up points on Stanford here. And I just don't know that the Cardinal will be able to keep up offensively. So again, not an official play, but I'm taking USC and the minus the points before I take Stanford.
2: There we go. There we go. All right, next game. And Micah, I'm going to come back to you first because you've got an official play on this one. We've got South Carolina, <clears throat> excuse me, South Carolina at Arkansas. Arkansas, an eight and a half point favorite, a total of 53. Micah, like we said, official play for you here, Arkansas minus eight and a half. Break it down.
4: Yeah, I, I made the number Arkansas minus 11. So it's kind of a play for me in that spot here. And I, I look at what Arkansas has done an amazing job last week. That They beat a really good Cincinnati team. I was impressed by Cincinnati as well in that game as well, but they're, ever since they lost to Alabama, that was a 42-35 score at Alabama, covered the spread. They've got their next three games against Missouri, Penn State, and then Cincinnati uh, yesterday, slight one. Um, the thing most – I think South Carolina had the score diluted a little bit because of what happened. They were down 14-12 in the third to Georgia State, and they got a, a touchdown pass, twenty-three oh run, but behind it, there's two blocked punts that got the cover for South Carolina. And that just muddies up everything. I mean, two block punts to score, to cover, to win the game, that just doesn't happen, you know, when I have a team to cover like that against somebody else. Um, But that's diluted the score a little bit and made them. And I'm not so sure about Spencer Rattler. He was an amazing uh, quarterback in high school, Pinnacle High in Phoenix. Uh, But the, the job, you know, wasn't performing. Then he pouted. Then he's disgruntled. I'm leaving town. And he did that. And I don't know that um, he's garnered the complete respect of his team yet or doing stuff to show some reason. He didn't really have a great game his last game. Um, So I I think from that aspect there, I think South Carolina did not get downgraded in their rating as they should for the two block punts. The offense did not look very fluid last week at all. And Arkansas, that's all they're doing now. They're just playing great football both sides of the ball uh, running 224 yards rushing last week 223 yards passing balanced attack four offensive linemen back I really like this Arkansas club I think they'll be one of those teams um, maybe I guess they're not surprising anybody in the SEC but to get up there close to what Alabama and Georgia and then what people hope Texas A&M will be I think Arkansas is going to have a say in the hierarchy of the SEC this season.
2: Yeah, you know, I'll say this, man. Just just speaking from living here in the Southeast, people are high on Arkansas, and for a good reason. I mean, Pittman's a hell of a coach. He fits exactly what that brand and that team is. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, Tom, coming over to you, not an official play, but you do lean the same as Micah, Arkansas 8.5, what do you say?
0: Yeah, the Hawks came through for me last week with their minus six and a half against Cincinnati, and I see something similar this week. I mean, Cincinnati is a tough test. It's a good team. Obviously, they lost a lot of players, but they're still quality, and they were able to, you know, Arkansas was able to take care of business. And as Micah was talking about, like there was a lot of hype about Spencer Rattler coming out of high school. There was a lot of hype about Spencer Rattler going to Oklahoma. He failed to live up to it for the most part transfers to South Carolina and there's a lot of hype about Spencer Rattler joining South Carolina well guess who has the lowest passing efficiency rating in the SEC after week one it's Spencer Rattler he's at 11.8 he had the one touchdown pass last week but he also threw two interceptions against Georgia State and I think you know obviously some of that is going to be he's with a new team in a new offense surrounded by new teammates they're all still trying to figure things out it's it's expected that early in the season, there might be some jitters you might not be firing on all cylinders. But you're facing a pretty good team right away now in week two. And I haven't seen enough from you to make me think that, you know, you're going to figure it out in the six days between these games and go on the road to take on this Arkansas team and play well enough to stick in. I think that offensively, the Hogs are good. They're going to be able to move the ball in South Carolina. And I just don't think that the Gamecocks will be able to keep up over 60. I don't think this is going to be a blowout, but I have it closer to 10 than seven. So while it's not an official play, I do think Arkansas is the right side.
2: So, you know, speaking of that, Chip, coming over to you, not an official play from you either, but you like the under in this game. Kind of correlates with a lot of what uh, Tom was saying. What do you see, man?
3: Yeah, a couple of different ways I can win this, right? Because if Arkansas is totally dominant in this game, I think that they lean on their ground game and just make it nice, clean, and easy. And, you know, they're not going to be really running it up, especially because I think South Carolina is a team that's better defensively, certainly, than they are offensively. The other idea is that maybe that Arkansas offense is limited just a little bit. South Carolina comes in and causes some real problems for it. But really, this is a big fade against Spencer Rattler and a big fade against the South Carolina offense, because no matter whether it's a, a close game or whether Arkansas is running away with this, I don't think that South Carolina is going to be scoring enough to be able to take the, the game total over. So, not again, not an official play, but I really do like the sound of an Arkansas-South Carolina under, and I will be eyeing South Carolina unders in general on a week-in, week-out basis. Ooh,
2: got the look-ahead there. I like it. There we go. All right, next game. And you know what, Micah, coming back to you first again because you have an official play on this one. We have Tennessee, a a 6.5-point favorite, on the road at Pittsburgh, a total of 66.5. Micah, an official play for you. You like the over 66 and a half here
4: yeah and and um it's weird because it starts like chip was talking last week uh, to offense changing running the ball they ran the ball 38 times and only threw the ball 24 times last week and it was only like when they were forced to pass when they're down they, they, for, they had to pass and they had that's the way they go but 38 rushes for 76 yards and we're talking about a, a offensive line that returns everybody and this is what's going on here so i think the they have to realize that we're still a passing team, and that's where we're going to have our success. And we'll work on the run game here and there. I can't imagine them trying this attack here, especially with Tennessee. I, I think they're going to come, jump out ahead pretty quick, but I think Pitt's going to hang in there. So I think it's just, Pitt's going to be forced to pass. I think Tennessee's going to score a lot and often. And I think it'll go over like the last seven Tennessee games have gone. Uh, I mean, seven straight is pretty impressive. And last week, 69. But Pitt had 69 total as well. Um, I, I just think it points to a high-scoring game here again, uh, just like we saw last year. And I'm not saying that uh, Pitt will uh, win, but I think it'll be a close game. They'll have a good showing, and the home crowd will help. And Tennessee's going to do their thing, but I think Pitt's going to hang close in this game. So, if I'm forced to, I would take Pitt taking the points as well.
2: Yeah, I'll say this. You know, last year we saw this game played in Neyland Stadium, and Pitt. Obviously, ended up winning the game. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal football game. And Tennessee led uh, the first quarter ten nothing. They got out to a blocked punt, put that in for a touchdown. Like it was an awesome game, and I think it's going to be an awesome one as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, a betting nugget here on Tennessee. Since Josh Heupel arrived last season, Tennessee has outscored opponents in the first quarter two hundred and seven to fifty one just wow. phenomenal points and numbers that they're putting up. And Let they are, me
4: add to that, too. Yeah, they've, they've scored more points last year than they ever have in the history of Tennessee football. I found that to be pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, they've had some pretty decent teams over there. And uh, a guy named Peyton Manning that put up some points as well. Like, it, it's, cra- it's crazy the amount of points they put up. Tennessee didn't have a great against the spread record last year, but first quarters, they were money. Tom, I throw it over to you. Not an official play. You like Pitt. On the six and a half, break it down, Matt, what do you say?
0: Yeah, that first quarter stat, maybe Josh Heupel should get dominated for a script writing award. Um, <laughs> I, I'm i taking Pitt. I, I, I look at last year's game. I mean, this is a battle of two teams whose fan bases I've kind of been annoying all offseason because I've been trying to pump the brakes on both of them. But I look at what happened last year, and as you mentioned, Tennessee's great in the first quarter. They held Pitt off the board on its first three possessions. Then Pitt figured things out and scored on seven of its final ten possessions. And that includes, you know, the end of the game when Pitt was just kneeling out the forty-one to thirty-four win. And I like Tennessee a lot. I really like the offense. But the problem that I always keep mentioning when it comes to the Vols is that defense was really bad last year. Like they scored 40 points a game and they went seven and six. You don't go seven and six scoring 40 points a game unless you're giving up a lot of points. So now Tennessee is going on the road where it's favored against Pitt. And I don't like taking favorites with bad defenses when they're at home. I certainly don't like taking road favorites with bad defenses. And I also think that Pat Narduzzi, you know, Mike was talking about a little. We saw he tried it against West Virginia. I think he would like to run the ball more and maybe not, you know, just slow the game down a little bit. I don't think it's probably the wisest decision with the way his team's currently built. But I, I just think that this is kind of going to be a shootout. I don't think either team is really capable of pulling away from the other. So if I'm getting this many points with the home team against the team with a bad defense, it's like, again, not an official play, but there's just too much I don't like here about the Vols. So I got to take the Panthers.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know who would argue with you in regards to Tennessee's defense, especially last year. It was not good. Like they scored in 40 seconds and they gave up touchdowns in 40 seconds. Like it was back and forth. Uh, anybody arguing on that one? And I'll say this: Tennessee's first game against Ball State, I thought that Tennessee's defensive line would dominate way more than they did. Eh, eh. I'm fascinated to see what that looks like against Pitt because I'm not—I'm yeah, like you—not concerned about the offense, but that defense, man, like they'll leave their secondary on islands against teams. Yeah, so you're not wrong there, Chip. Not an official play either, but you like Tennessee in this one with the points. Bring it up.
3: Uh, Quick uh, personnel addition subtraction because when Tennessee lost a close game against Pitt last year, they were still playing Joe Milton at quarterback just a little bit. Hendon Hooker had not really fully taken control of that position at QB1. Now he has. He has become excellent at that position. He's got even another season to master the Josh Heupel offense. So I think that there's a little bit of a plus value uh, for the Vols. There's also an inherent minus value that comes with – where Pitt is going from Kenny Pickett to Keaton Slovis. I mean, yeah, the Pitt offense put up a bunch of points, but the, for large portions of that game, I thought Keaton Slovis looked a little bit lost and was not overly impressive. So looking at last year's matchup being a back and forth, but then knowing that both quarterbacks have had major adjustments, I, I lean with Tennessee here. But there's a better a better play, and this is one of the things that I love about being able to interact with our audience because Max in the chat, mentions the Tennessee team total over, which might be uh, a great way to take all the positivity that you think about Tennessee having fully made its commitment to Hendon Hooker. Now, all of a sudden, that would be able to uh, position them to even if they are not able to cover it at the six and a half, let's say that it's a three-point game, the Tennessee team total over is the thing probably I'm the most confident in. So that's a great, great find by Max, because one of the reasons why my pick here, my lean, not an official play, it does have to do with Tennessee's offense being in better hands with Hendon Hooker as the sole quarterback.
2: Yeah, Hendon Hooker's legit. And they've got, you know, obviously receivers, guys like, you know, Cedric Tellman keep going, you know, that return from last year. And I mean, it's pretty rare when Tennessee, first off, doesn't have 17 points in the first quarter. Right. Much less if you're looking at, you know, 36 and a half. And, and again, I, I pits a different team than Ball State. But that's that's been the one thing that Tennessee hasn't had a problem with is hitting team totals and hitting points. So because the other wish, thing
3: with their team total is their defense is so bad, you get the ball back.
2: 100 I mean, percent. Like that's I mean, another thing. It's a, in this game. It's a great point. Like you get so many additional <laughs> possessions. That's a great, great point, man. I completely agree. All right. Kentucky at Florida. All right. We don't have any official plays on this one. Uh, we saw Florida, uh, Billy Napier, the first game there, taking care of business against Utah. We've got Florida, a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Kentucky, total of 52-and-a-half. Mike, I thought it to you. If you like Kentucky, plus five-and-a-half. Just laid in on it. What do you think?
4: Well, I'm a big Will Levis fan, so that's one of my things i got to deal with. I'm not betting it, but, uh, you know, Kentucky has covered the last five games against Florida. They won last year, 20-13. to 13. I have a problem with... Kentucky right now, just looking at the offensive line, did not do a great job last week, uh, especially opening up holes. Only 50 yards rushing on 25 carries. That is horrendous, uh, something that they're going to have to work on and fix. But I like the momentum Mark Stoops gained last year. They started out 6-0, and lost 3, then ended four, uh, 4-0, 8-4 against the spread. Uh, you, like, you can count on him. And I love Napier, what he's doing. That was a huge win last week. Is there a letdown? I don't think so. Uh, but I do know that Kentucky has two cupcakes coming up. So I think uh, they'll take this with uh, all the serious and toughness and mentally prepare to get this win. And, uh, yeah, I think they'll play well. Will Levis, Heisman, let's do it.
2: Dude, he's a good quarterback, man, for sure. Chip, coming over to you, you like the under in this game. Break it down. In Kentucky, Florida? Yes. I said Florida money line. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I got ahead of myself. Florida money lines
3: of what Tom might be having. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. I'm not going to ask you to, you know, lay the big price there on the Florida money line. The Florida money line is me saying mostly pass, but if you want to throw it in a parlay, I think it could be fun, especially if you were building to the end of the day, because I don't see Kentucky beating Florida in the swamp with as much confidence as the Gators have right now. But the problem is, I don't trust Florida enough to say that you are definitely going to win by a touchdown because Billy Napier comes from the coaching tree of Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban, where they only care about winning by a single point. They are not concerned about the spreads. They are not concerned about total margin. They would like to know that there is a W in the books. I feel very confident that Florida is going to be able to defend home turf ride what should be an incredible atmosphere with all of the confidence and positivity that is around the start to the Billy Napier era, slightly too many daggone points, but I don't want to put myself through the misery of being mad about a close competitive one touchdown game that ends up with my bet going sideways. So I think Florida wins. That's what I'm the most confident in. Take it as a money line, throw it in a parlay and, uh, and have it be the finish to your night, cashing that ticket.
2: There we go. Find him a tag team champion partner. And speaking of tag team champion partners, yours right here. Tom had the under in a lean in this game under 52 and a half. I apologize, sir. Bring it down. What do you got?
0: Yeah, this is a game. I'm far more interested in watching right now than I am on betting on it because there's just there's too many unknowns. Like we there's some questions about who will or won't be available for Kentucky in this game that impacts, you know, how you think this one's going to go. But I think overall assuming full strength and even if not the under is the safest play available on the board of the of the four main choices that we have at our disposal here i just think that florida defensively is pretty solid. I mean, they couldn't cover Brent Keith last week, Utah's tight end. But other than that, I thought they were very good. I think that on the other side, Kentucky going on the road, they're going to want to, you know, try to take the crowd out of it. The swamp gets loud. It gets crazy. They're going to look to run the ball, dominate the line of scrimmages. That's what they've been doing in Mark Stoops' entire tenure there. Kentucky is just the SEC's answer to Iowa, except it's capable of scoring points. That is one key difference that Mark Stoops is, you know, that's, that's the innovation he's brought to that style of football. So, I do think this is going to be a lower scoring game. I think that Anthony Richardson is getting a lot of deserved attention for his performance against Utah, but. He, he's not shown you know he's shown flashes before last season he has not shown consistency from week to week from drive to drive and until I see that it's hard to bank on him doing it again so I think this is a very good defense we'll be facing I just think we've got a chance for a possible Florida letdown, Kentucky suspensions it all just kind of strikes me as it could be something of a sloppy game so again I don't love anything here but I think the under is the best option on the board
2: yeah, see, I'm with you, man. Like, I don't love anything either. Like, I could see letdown on Florida's side. I could see Kentucky's offensive line issues having problems. Like, there are all kinds of scenarios. But I think I agree completely with you on the under that that might be your safest play. All right, I'll speed it up because we are running a bit out of time. Baylor at BYU. BYU, a four-point favorite, a total of 53-and-a-half. Chip, coming to you first because you've got an official play on it. BYU minus four. And BYU handled business in week one yeah you like BYU break it down
3: yeah just a really impressive team right now and you mentioned that performance they had to sit through two weather delays after traveling cross country playing in a sweltery sauna that is Tampa on a Saturday in September um the thing that is so much fun about this BYU team is how they seem to have had responses. You know, they lose Zach Wilson and then they come back next year. Jaron Hall plays pretty well, but really as Tyler Alligier at running back becomes a, a good running team. Then we we see them against USF. They've, they've lost their best running back. And now all of a sudden they're able to move the ball through the air with Hall. And to do it without Gunnar Romney in the game, one of their top two wide receiver targets, I think we're looking at a really, really good BYU team. This is a point spread that is going against the grain from the AP rankings. And in, in that case, I'm always going to dive a little bit deeper into the matchup. And these are two teams that know each other. These are two teams that can both move the ball. These are two very good quarterbacks. And ultimately, I think the home field advantage and Provo uh, is going to end up helping power BYU to a win. So I'll lay the points.
2: Yeah, BYU could be a really, really good football team. They are an ex like they looked excellent last week. All right. Now, Tom, you like the over 53 and a half. It's a lean, not an official play. Micah, you like Baylor plus four. Tom, go first. Micah go second. What do you guys see out of this one here? And I'll leave it on the quad screen here so we can see both of you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I just think that this is the total is a little too low. Like these two teams met last year in Waco. It was a 35. 30- four to 28 games, 62 points scored, and I feel like, you know, Baylor was able to run the ball effectively in that game. They, they ran all over them, both Tristan Ebner and Abram Smith. They're both gone, but I saw from what we saw of Baylor last week, they've got stable or they've got a capable stable of running backs returning they've upgraded at quarterback from gary bohan into blake sharpen and i just think that they're going to be able to move the ball and score points against this byu team which as good as as fun as it can be at times its defense is still very prone to giving up big plays and is not what you would call a lockdown defense and on the flip side byu Very capable of moving the ball like we saw them do it last year against Dave Aranda's Baylor defense. So this to me is a matchup of two good offenses that I just don't think are getting nearly enough respect with this total. I think this is going to be a very fun game to watch. I think there's going to be a lot of big plays, a lot of touchdowns, and I think the over is the best bet on the board.
2: Well, I'll tell you this, whenever Tom's betting over, dude, my ears perk up because you know my <laughs> man is believing in that one 100%. Micah, yeah, what are your thoughts here, man? You like uh, Baylor plus four?
4: Yeah, well, I was really impressed by BYU jumping out 38-0 at South Florida. Amazing job. I mean, they 315 yards rushing. Um, completed passes to 12 different receivers. They look polished in game one and they should because they have 16 starters back. Uh, but I'll go back to uh, the quarterback, big game last year for Shapen. Uh, uh, the last two games when they needed him the most, he came through big, and that was that said a lot, and that said goodbye to Bohannon, right? And so he's going to lead this team. Was nine and four last year. What I like, they've got four offensive linemen back, but on the other side of the ball, five of their uh, front six are back as well, and that was a good defense last year. So I'm taking the team with the uh, yeah with the better defense, and I'm not going to say the better quarterback, but I've I've really liked this quarterback for Baylor.
2: There we go. Two two games in a row. You like the quarterbacks, him and uh, our boy over at Kentucky. All right. Final game. The big one. Alabama, 20-point favorite on the road at Texas. Nick Saban v. Steve Sarkeesian. A total of 65 and a half. Chip, I'm coming to you because you got an official play on it. You like the tide rolling. Minus 20 here.
3: Oh, I am. Listen, there are two teams that are playing at a different level than everybody else in the entire sport. And last year, I came here on this fine program, told you to take those Georgia Bulldogs and, oh, uh, and I'm telling you to do it again with Alabama because Alabama will be able to choose its number. And based on the way that that Chip Patterson guy was talking about Nick Saban having lost his edge, using <laughs> two out of his last three two former assistants, the number that he will choose will be a big one. Texas's defense is not going to be able to keep Alabama from the end zone. It's just not going to happen. Now, will Quinn Ewers be able to have some success against Alabama's defense? Yeah. Until Will Anderson absolutely crushes him for the first time and then he decides to start throwing it away. (laughs) This is going to be a statement game for the Alabama Crimson Tide who spent all offseason preparing themselves for the kind of revenge campaign that Nick Saban dreams of. Because everything has gone your way when you show up to Alabama. You're a five-star prospect, likely, maybe a four-star. You step into this program with all of the best amenities, all of the best coaches. It can be difficult to really create that edge. But when Alabama teams have it, like they did in the 2020 season and like they do again in the 2022 season, then they really do what Nick Saban has always wanted, which is to bring a championship level of competition to every single snap and to make your opponent quit. And that's what they're <laughs> going to try to do to Texas is make them quit.
2: <laughs> dude, That's fantastic. Also, you kind of created your own like embrace debate where you bring up one thing at the beginning of the show and you actually debate yourself. On
3: well, later on the show. So it's as Tom, and listen, as Tom said, this what we have decided is we are going to use all of our effort. Flip narrative. to narrative. Flip the narrative. Everybody <laughs> is always talking about twenty-five and two. We're just trying to flip it. And Tom, it's Tom's idea, but Tom knows it's a team effort. So we've got to spread this uh, narrative in several places with several voices to really be able to uh, dictate the national conversation. Well, do it indeed,
2: because it's fantastic.
3: Now, Tom, I'm throwing to you. And I'll leave it on the screen here because, Tom,
2: you've got not no official plays from either of you guys on this one. Chip's the only one. Tom, you lean Alabama with the points. Micah, you lean Texas with the points. Tom, go first. Micah, clean us up.
0: Yeah, for me, it's, it's really nothing more complicated than I need Texas to prove it. Like, offensively, as Chip was mentioning, I think that the Longhorns will be able to find some success against Alabama in this game because last year, while Texas had problems, just about none of them were on the offensive side of the ball. They were able to score points. The Problem is, defensively, they couldn't stop anything that had a pulse. And Alabama has quite a pulse. Like, this is a team that put up 55 points last week against the reigning Mountain West champion, Utah State. And that wasn't over six quarter. Alabama had a 55 nothing lead with 10 minutes still left in the third quarter and then just decided to stop playing took everybody out and said all right let's move on to Texas next week they could have scored 70 maybe more if they'd wanted to this is an offense that is flying and Texas just until I could see them stop somebody that's this good on defense. I'm not going to bet on them to happen, and like you said, it's not an official play for me because I think that the spread might be a little too big to make it official, but I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama blows the absolute doors off them. And frankly, now that I think about it as I'm talking myself into it, I wouldn't take Alabama minus 20, but I might consider taking an Alabama alternate line of minus 26 and a half or so.
2: (laughs) There you go. Micah, your thoughts here.
4: Yeah, it, this basically comes down to ratings. So overall ratings, uh, Texas, uh, I have them number 16, 16 points less than Alabama. You get five points for a regular Texas game, but since Alabama is so much better, it's probably worth one point. So maybe maybe the spread should be 15 or so. So I think I have value with the line there. But guys, I'm I love early season stories, fairy tales, and I think we have a possible one here to beat Alabama. Is there a chance of beating Alabama with all the guys coming together? Quinn Ewers doing a Joe Burrow impression, leaving Ohio state, becoming big time quarterback in college football with the big signature win. I thought, didn't we see Manziel do something like that when he came in, this is a spot where he can shine and he can make a name for himself and carry the Texas program that all their fans around the nation have been dying to see for ever. Like it's been a long time since Texas football ha- has, has mattered much. And, this is a spot I want the fairy tale ending. I want to see Texas beat Alabama. Probably not going to happen, but I think they're going to play well, play uh, tough, and, and match up well. So that is my hope. I didn't bet it, but uh, yeah, I want I want to see yours do well. Well, I tell you what,
3: happens. Yeah. I am moving so quickly on <laughs> Sunday on UTSA plus the points. <laughs> if Texas does that, that hangover is gonna last 17 Months. days. It's, yeah. it's, it's gonna be, be yeah. so drunk on that win. I'll <laughs> oh, well, tell you what, man. hey, you want a narrative.
2: You want a narrative if if that were to happen, Texas beats upsets Alabama, but AM gets its doors blown off because of you know the feud this offseason Texas can hold that over Alabama and hold that over A&M. Oh, you're going to have some loud longhorns down there that earned it. Let's see it. Let's do it. (laughs) I love it, man. Speaking of let's see it, let's take a look at the recap here. Everybody grab your paper, grab your pencil. It is glorious. Michael Roberts is on Arkansas minus eight and a half. He's also on Tennessee, Pittsburgh over 66 and a half. Tom Fernelli is on UCF minus five. Northwestern team total under 34. Kansas plus 13 and a half. Chip Patterson is on Alabama minus 20. BYU minus four. North Carolina, Georgia State over 64 and a half. Iowa State plus three and a half. UNLV plus 13. And Memphis minus six and a half. All right. So, as we always do to wrap up the show, Give the boys a little bit of a uh, little bit of a microphone here to plug what they're doing, what we need to pay attention to. These guys do a ton. Micah, throw it over to you first. You literally handle every sport here at Sportsline. Yeah. What do you got coming up this week, man? What are you looking
4: at? Uh, doing a, a NASCAR. Should be posted on Sportsline right now. You got that at the uh, Kansas uh, Speedway. Should uh, look like the Gibbs cars, the Toyotas. In fact, all of them won. Uh, you should see all of them run extremely well here. They won. The first race at Kansas with Kurt Bush, who is now out of the series. And Ty Gibbs will be running that car. So uh should be exciting. Second race of the playoffs.
0: I love it. I love it. Big Tom for Nelly. What do you got, Bob? Uh Just came out today. My first bottom 25 rankings of the season were published on CBSSports.com. I rank, everybody ranks the best teams. Only I rank the 25 worst every single week of the season. You'll want to it's check that out. It's Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we have the Cover 3 podcast, Chip and I, four days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, and then the live reaction show on Saturday night following the primetime game. And uh, you can read everything at CBSSports.com. Follow us, listen to us on YouTube, subscribe, listen to us on all your audio podcast apps, and uh, check me here every Wednesday as long as I can be. And they're not you know, drilling holes in my walls or putting in new pipes behind me. I'll be here with you. I love it, man. I love it. Chip Patterson. Take it home.
3: Did y'all just figure out Olivia Wilde and Olivia Munn are the same, are not like different people? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I have long been aware of that. Yes. All right. That's the one aspect of this entire story that I can confidently say I knew about.
3: Okay. Yeah. What? Listen to the cover three podcast. Olivia Wilde, Olivia Wilde, Florence Pugh, Chris Pine, SEO, pick this up to be able to give it a higher ranking on Google. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I love it, man. That was a great job right there. That's a man who knows how to get a show plugged. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be live again next Wednesday to break down week three of college football. You heard the guys, the uh, cover three podcast. Make sure to pay attention to that. Their work, Micah's work on sportsline.com. But until then, everybody, best of luck. Let's cash these tickets. And you know what? We'll see you next week.